The Cyclone Fanatic Podcast is fueled by Cody Rhodes and recorded in the Wild Rose Casino and Hotel Studio. Yo, welcome into another edition of the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast. It's Corner 3 on a uh, Thursday afternoon, as always presented by our friends at Mechdyne. Uh, joined on the podcast this week by Brent Bloom. Bloom, what's up, man? How you doing last or uh, after that uh, that win last night? Better than Mark Adams, I would yes. guess. Yes, much better than Mark Adams. We'll talk more about uh, Texas Tech's struggles here in just a little bit. Obviously, Iowa State coming off a, a significant win uh, last night over the uh, over the Red Raiders, and um, I mean, just a complete domination from basically the under eight timeout of the first half uh, through the entirety of the second half. And uh, I don't know that Iowa State can play much better than what they did during that last probably twenty eight minutes of the game. Agreed. This team is going to be really, really good when it makes shots. And you just kind of had a feeling it was like, if Gabe makes the first one, look out type mm-hmm. of situation. And then it just seemed like everybody got going and it was a, it was a thing to watch. I thought Lipsy was terrific again. Trey King gave me a lot and, you know, Holmes made some shots. Gabe makes the shots. Caleb made a couple ones early. And if if Gabe and Caleb are both on, I honestly think Iowa State can beat pretty much anybody in the country. Yeah. And they they played like it. And then I thought, um, you know, Holmes said in the post game, I thought it was terrific, which I didn't think about before the game. But they they wanted this one bad for the guys from last year's team after mm-hmm. what Tech did to Iowa State in the Big Twelve tournament, which was interesting because I, I that didn't come up to me, but I can see how that getting so out of hand left a, a sour taste in Iowa state's mouth. And it was, it was fun to be on the other end of that last night. I thought that it was notable that Iowa state still had uh, the majority of their starters in the game with like five minutes left and they were up by 35 points. Uh, that yes. Uh, when you go back and look at the game log from that game in, in Kansas city, I think that like Terrence Shannon and uh, Kevin McCuller, Adonis arms, I mean, all played 25, 30 minutes in that game. I just think that that's notable. You know, uh, yeah, that's, I don't know if it's like, uh, you're trying to stick it to him, but I think it was one of those, like, all right, you poured it on us one time. You're going to take your medicine now too, you know? Absolutely. And for Jaron to bring that up meant that it got brought up somewhere. Um, and there, there, there's smart guys on the roster. I'm not saying like TJ is the one that told him, Hey, we need to do this. However, they clearly were aware of what happened to the big 12 tournament. And this was Iowa state saying, Hey, this, you know, it's a, this is not the same team. We're not going to take it. And what comes around, uh, goes around. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, this is. And, you know, I think it was important for them to make a statement like that because you're still at the point. It's like, yeah, I would say it was three and oh, but there's always a, but at the end of it. Now it's kind of like, I was talking to some people up, up yesterday. It's like, is this team really good? Like, mm-hmm. are they, is that the type of win that makes everybody turn around and go, wait a second now, look out for Iowa state. And I think at this point is when the, the, the page turns a little bit to, Oh my, it's almost, it, it goes from what Williams and I talked about Sunday night is like, yeah, that, you know, wait for t- tough times will come and they will to Iowa State is in such a good position now that it's, it's really going to have to, it, it is a, certainly a conversation to finish in the top half at the very least. And, and you're right there for some really high level things in regards to not only you're finishing the big 12, but also your seed nationally. And then you look up the rank and you go, well, Iowa State's 14th in the country. That's pretty good too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that uh, I don't know how much 
praise we can give Gabe Coucher. I don't know if it would be enough for the stretch that he's put together here over these last four games. In conference play, 12 of 25 from three-point range, which is 48%. Uh, he's had a 138.5 offensive rating through four Big 12 games, which is the second best in the league. Uh, so it's it's not only is he knocking down shots from deep, which he's doing at a, a rate higher than at any point. I mean, it really any other point in his college career, but he's been very efficient at scoring from two as well, you yes. know, and he's been able to finish really well around the basket when he's been, when he can get there. Uh, he's been knocking down his mid range jumpers. It just seems like he has unlocked a level of confidence in his game that we have not seen from him previously. You know, every shot that he takes, you, it, it looks like he feels like it's going in, you know, which, and there were times last year where it felt like he was guiding the ball almost like, mm-hmm. uh, I don't really know where it's going to go, but I hope it goes in now that shot against TCU, I think just unearthed another uh, level of confidence for him. He looked like a, just a, he's like expecting the ball to go in last night, which is tremendous because the intangibles are off the chart for Gabe. Plus he's such a great defender that if, if he's making shots, he's arguably, he should be on first team all big 12 right now. I was going to say, I think right now you would have a hard time leaving him off first team, the first team all big 12. Yeah, absolutely. And he, I mean, gave the last two weeks is an all American level player. Like he's been that good. Uh, this is as good a stretch as I always it's had from, you know, Brockington at times last year for sure. But this is all big 12 level good from Gabe. Can he keep it up? I hope so. But the beautiful thing is he doesn't need to. And it's like, yeah, if Gabe plays this well, Iowa State's beating Tech by 30. If he doesn't, you're still really good because Iowa State's yeah. roster has been well-rounded. And, and it's not like last year where you needed Brockington to go nuts or else. Uh, this team's floor is so much higher this year. I think the thing people need to remember with Gabe, too, that makes him, in addition to what he's done offensively, I mean, I know there's a belief within the league from some people that he's the best defender in the league, whether it's uh, on the perimeter or if it's, guarding the paint. I mean, he is as good of a defensive player as you're going to find in the big 12. And you add the fact that he's already one of the best defenders, if not the best defender in the league to the fact that now he's become one of the better go-to scores in the league. That's an all yes. big 12 player. I mean, I, I don't know what, what more you need to see. Uh, you mentioned the balance of the team though. I mean, Caleb grill, I was watching back, watching the game back here just a little bit ago his confidence level and the confidence level with which he is shooting the basketball right now. I mean, I don't know if we've seen this from anybody at Iowa state since pro I mean, Tyrus, I don't know. Like the, <laughs> the way he's shooting the ball right now with where, with his catch and shoot, there's no thought to it. And it is, I, I would challenge someone to go back and look at the first two shots that Caleb made in that game last night against Tech, or uh, Tuesday night against Texas tech. They are as pure of releases and catch and shoot and, and knock him down as anybody you're going to see in the country right now. And he's, you know, he has just been absolutely electric. And again, it's about maintaining it, but I mean, the, the basket looks like the ocean for him right now, I think. Great point. And I, you know, I was sitting behind, uh, on the, the, well, the one under Hilton. So I was looking directly at that and you almost knew you get a feeling, you know, watching really good players when they're, they're in a rhythm when they know it's going in. Those first two last night, it's almost like he's like, just give me the ball, give me the ball, because I know it's going in. Like it, he had that feel to it. And even the one he missed shortly after that, he also thought it was going in. And that is so much different than last year. He said after the game that he's in such a better head heads place now than he was a year ago, where, you know, these guys are old. And I yeah. think when, when TJ talks about you want to get old, 
Gabe Kalsher and, and Caleb Grill are both old by college basketball standards. And guess what? You get better at basketball the older you get. And so I think this is this is a way you can you can win. Um, Caleb Grill from this year is way different than he was his freshman year at Iowa State. He's gotten a lot better. And he's also an all-conference player performer right now with everything he's mm-hmm. doing. So you would argue, and I would never have said this before the year, I think Iowa State's guard court is playing as well as anybody's in the conference, right? Yeah. yeah. Like, I mean, you're probably – you've been more productive than Baylor's in conference play, and Baylor's supposed to have this a best backcourt in the nation. Iowa State's been yeah. better. I think the only one that would maybe have a case, and it probably depends on how you would classify uh... – Keontae Johnson is what Marquise Noel and, and Keontae yeah. Johnson are doing right now for Kansas state, which is incredible. I mean, those two guys like that, they look, they remind me a lot of Iowa state last year, you know, where you have to live and die by what those two guys are going to do. But those two guys are going to give you buckets every night and it don't matter like, who they're playing against. Noel's Noel's just crazy. Like the, that guy can just, the guy can just get a basket anywhere he wants to. Yeah. I'm interested yeah. to see now the scout, you know, now that they, some teams have gotten some eyes on them what that looks like agreed because i mean here's the thing and i and i would say found this out last year if good teams can stop two guys mm-hmm. good teams have a problem stopping three guys it was kind of the way it was kind of the, the the old theory so do they have another guy that can step up i mean last year i would say really struggled with brockington and then hunter and then you know maybe gabe got hot and that was about it but could, will teams now start to figure out johnson noel and who's the third guy if they figure those two out so it'll be interesting interesting to watch k-state the fact that Iowa state was picked eighth k-state was picked 10th and those two are tied atop along with kansas it just just goes to show that uh, nobody can really predict this league right now absolutely uh you mentioned before texas tech uh and mark adams probably not having a very good uh having a very good day i think that you know, I, I think I said this last week. I can't remember, maybe a couple of weeks ago. I mean, there are some red flags here going on right now with Texas Tech. And I I cannot remember a more jarring flip in personnel from one year to another than that one. That team looks nothing like what last year's team did. And that is, uh, I mean, I don't know even once they get some of those guys back, like they're supposed to get a couple guys back from injury. I, I don't know that that will make that big of a difference because that team I think is in some serious trouble. They, they just don't have the horses I think to, to hang out, hang in the league on a night in night out basis. I, I was stunned at one point in the late in the first half where I'm watching that going, Mike, is this all they have? Like who, yeah. what's going on here? What's, what am I missing? And you know, Bacho and Isaac's played. And those two were questionable coming into mm-hmm. last night. Those were two two of their best guys. They had their whole Isaacs. team. They had their yeah, whole team. The whole still team. barely scored more points than they did last year when they had like six people. It, it, and Isaacs, man, I guess they can ride him if he's making shots. He was not yeah. good last night. And some no. of the shots he took was like, oh my goodness, what what is going on? They had, I mean, if Bacho is not doing anything inside, obeying or can't do it all. Um, I just, I don't know. I didn't see a lot from them. And then Adams was just kind of just sitting on the sideline like, oh, didn't do anything. Yeah. It's almost like he expected it to happen. I looked into their situation a little bit. I had no idea. They added a couple new coaches, including like his best friend. And, and I think his, his son. son. Yeah, yeah. And he's got other issues going on. That's There's some issues there. And, yeah. and they gave him, this is the danger. And they gave him a long-term extension after last year. And now there's a lot of people regretting that they gave him that extension because – it, that when that thing goes south, it I don't know. It just they they seem to have some issues that maybe were masked by 
either assistant coaches last year and or that team was so good and old yeah. last year that it kind of ran itself. I was going to say, I think that this, in hindsight now, you look at that team from a season ago where it was a bunch of guys that probably felt jaded after what had happened with Chris Beard leaving, you know, guys like Kevin McCuller and guys like Terrence Shannon, who had been with the program for several years. You know, I know yeah. Bryson Williams was a transfer in. And he was Adon- so good. At- yeah. I Adonis think Adonis Arms, was, Arms a was a transfer in. But older uh, guys. Yeah. But they were older guys. They And it was, you know, you just got a couple of them and then you add them to already what was a good core of those guys that were probably pissed off that Chris Beard left them. Yeah. You know, and who, who is the big guy from VCU that was always a physical, just, you know, beast, uh, the hyphenated kid. Anyway, yeah, he gave no, Iowa State I, some problems too. Yeah, but then you add Kevin O'Banner into that. Like that group was yeah, just nasty. They were really good, and they just had some dogs, man. And they had some guys that that when they stood next to Iowa State guys, it wasn't even in the same class, you know, of athlete. Completely different kind of athlete of class of athlete, and that's why we knew going into that game last year in Kansas City that it was not even going to be. It was like this would take a monumental effort from someone for Iowa State to win this game. And it just, they, they have none of that sense. They have none of that edge that they did a year ago. I don't know. I think that that, that thing's on a southward trajectory very quickly. Yeah. And they're not guarding. And I mean, Isaacs is just not a very good defender and he's basically Trey young without the shot making right now. Yeah. The thing I thought Mac Mark Adams made a good point after the game that he hoped that that would be a wake up call for them because of the fact that they had been kind of uh, toiling in mediocrity where they would lose yeah, close games. They were still when close. They were lose. Yeah, they were so close, and it was like he felt like they almost needed to get their butts kicked in order to realize that they needed to get it in gear. I guess we'll see. I don't know. I, I'm not 100 percent sure what their schedule is here coming up. It looks like they've got Texas on Saturday, Baylor, Kansas State. I don't know. We'll yeah. see. No. That, Good luck. They might be 0 and 0 and seven in the That's league. the problem is is you get on the wrong end of this thing, and it you know you yeah you can have a bad game or two, but if you let it spiral, uh, Iowa State saw what could happen two years ago in the Big Twelve. Right. All right. You know, a couple more. Not a couple good. more, a couple more stat notes that I, I looked up today, just for uh, some reference things uh, on Bart Torvik right now, since December 17th, Iowa state is number three in the country uh, in based on the metrics behind only Tennessee and Houston. Uh, they're number 14 in adjusted wow. offensive efficiency and number 11 in adjusted defensive efficiency. That's since December 17th, which is the day when the, uh, the last season's factors came out. And then, and you got Trey King. You actually, yeah. you arguably got the whole team back. Yeah. And you don't have jazz either, which, you know, is, is great. It, the eye, they match the eye test right now. I mean, like I said earlier, at one point I kind of had a, wait a second. These guys do everything pretty well right now. Mm-hmm. They, they do, You can't rely on making double digit threes every game. Uh, but if that's the case, then this is a, this is a really good offensive team. Like really, really good. So is it as good as the team in 2000 or one of Fred's teams? I mean, they're, they're way better defensively than Fred's teams. So we'll see. I mean, you forget that this same roster with, with some other guys, of course, made a sweet 16 and made some yeah. bad teams look good or made, made some good teams look bad in the NCAA tournament. And this team is still turning teams over. How did, what did tech have 13? I think they had nine, the first they had nine, Yeah. Well, they had, uh, I know they had six in the first six minutes and I think they had 10 in the first 15 minutes. They turned it over like on their first five possessions of the game or something like that in this. So, so this team still has the fastball and that's the fastball. Yeah. And now they've got that, you know, that 12 to six curveball on offense, which they didn't have last year. It's, I, I say that all with the, the cautions behind me going, well, wait a second. Like I just said about tech, 
You have to sustain it. Yeah. You still have to sustain it. And if you, if you lose a couple, there's not like a, a layup coming up that you can just rescue it. However, I think like we talked about that. I think Hilton's going to be really tough to win at this year. That yeah. was a, 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 for a Tuesday night without the students. That was a super good atmosphere. I thought that it crowd impacted the game during that run. And it just feels like Iowa state and just think, like some of those teams that they're just not going to, it's going to take a lot to beat them in Hilton. And just think that the game, when the students are coming back next week, what, oh what's going to be going on when Tyrese Hunter and the Texas Longhorns pull back into town, that, that is going to be an incredible atmosphere. They're, and, they're two yeah. big time atmospheres this year, that game. And then Kansas, whenever that is on. Yeah. It's uh, the first weekend in February. Fourth. Yeah, yeah, it is going to be insanity at Hilton Coliseum, but that's what it's going to. That's I think this fan base, like we talked about last week, is finally in. Mm-hmm. And this was this was the last exclamation point to get all the casuals on board of, man, Hilton's the place to be now, right. rock and roll, because this team's four and zero, and the and you got a huge one Saturday. You, I mean, but it's I think it's a uh, you're you've got house money now. Like no one's yep. expecting to go into Allen Fieldhouse and win, and uh, but yet this team expects it can. All right. One other statistical note: Iowa State back in the top twenty on Ken Palm for the first time since the since the postseason in 2018-19, uh, up to number seventy-seven in adjusted uh, offensive efficiency. Iowa State dipped as low as one hundred seventy-nine in Ken Palm Ooh. over the last four years. Now back all the way up into the top twenty. Uh, I thought that was uh, something worth noting. And then you mentioned going into Saturday down at uh, Allen Fieldhouse in Kansas or in Lawrence, Kansas. Uh, Ken Palm has Kansas 69 to 62. The Jayhawks won last night, uh, 79 to 75 against Oklahoma. Oklahoma had a 10 point lead with about five minutes left in the game. Uh, Kansas finished the game on an 18 to four run. Uh, KJ Adams, 22 points, eight rebounds. Jalen Wilson, 17 points, but was only two of 10 from inside the three point line and went 10 of 12 Mm -hmm. from the free throw line. He had eight rebounds. Uh, Kansas, not a very deep team. They only played seven guys, double digits minutes, but, uh, come back and win the second time in the first four big 12 games that they came back from down double digits at home to win. Uh, that's where I think, I think Iowa state's got a good opportunity as good of an opportunity to go in and contend and win this game as they have any other year. I think that, uh, they've gone down there, but we know as we saw last year, you know, and it, I, I thought it was interesting that one year ago today, when we're recording this right now, Kansas beat Iowa State at Allen Fieldhouse 62-61 on the Phantom goaltend yeah. at the end of the game. Uh, and it just we know how difficult it is for Iowa State to go in there and win. We And we've seen it already twice this year, how difficult it is for anyone to go in there and win. But as well as this team is playing, that element you said of house money, I think they've got as good a chance as any to go in there and, and give themselves a chance. Yeah, it's as much as I've looked forward to a game down there in, in some time. Um, even that team that went down there and won, you know, the Donovan Jackson, mm-hmm. uh, big marbles game. I, you know, that team was really good offensively. You deprived to look at that and won the game with offense. I think this team can win a game 67 to 62 though. It's not going to take 13 threes like it did or whatever. I think they made 16, 17 threes that day. I always say it's one down there, J- Jared, the one time in the last 20 years. And that was that time. So it's hard. Yeah. I was amazed. I didn't realize Oklahoma hadn't won down there since 93 and still hasn't. I mean, that, uh, it, a lot of times it's eight on five down there. It just is. Right. It's just the nature of the building and you got to fight through it. And I think this team is tough enough to, to, to do that. Doesn't have enough skill to make some shots against a, a good offensive team like Kansas. We'll see. I think that's the fun of it. I think the mistake that teams make is that they get to that under four timeout and they think they got them. 
you know, they, they think they've got them. And it's like, you, you don't got those guys until the game's over. You got all building. zeros. Yeah. Because it just is anybody who's ever been there, I think can understand it don't take much for yeah. all of a sudden the avalanche is rolling down the hill and you're in some serious trouble, you know? And you would think, yeah, up 10 with yeah. five minutes left. Like that's pretty comfortable. Nope. Yeah. No, not there. No. And you lose by four. Like, and I, from what I understand at the end of the game, they didn't really have a chance to like try and win it. So uh, I think it'll be interesting w- w- how I would say it matches up with them. I mean, this is a little bit different yeah. Kansas team. You know, the big fellas really not there. Uh, yeah, really, Adams, we, that was his, one of his best games last yeah, night. Was, was yeah, but he's, one. he's not, um, you know, he's not McCormick big no. where, you know, he's going to, you know, big, you know, six eleven, two hundred fifty pounder out there or the, the other big guy before him. I mean, they, I think, you know, what, what Kansas does, is they got the big wings though. And so it's a big challenge. You know, Trey King's going to have to play big minutes. Garen or Jer, excuse me, Gabe or Jaron is going to have to guard one of those big wings where whether it's Wilson or somebody else and then McCuller, I'm, I'm yeah. a, and then McCuller's big too. So it's an interesting matchup of who guards who with the cross matches look like um how how healthy is Shun? Hopefully healthy. You know, he the one thing about be playing him up 30 is what he twisted an ankle there yeah. at at one point in late in the game. I think he'll be okay. The extra day helps there. So but that's a game where he sh- you know, you need you need good shooting that day because I think mm-hmm. he can be a difference maker against Kansas, especially this year. And then Grady Dick's a you know really good player, so a lot of good wings for Kansas. How does Iowa State match up? Um, and then I'm a big Harris fan. I, I like I to say the, the point guard battle. I think will be interesting yeah, between I think him and Lipsy and, are, and Lipsy. Are really really similar. I think it's a fun game. It's always fun down there. It's a legit atmosphere, and um, Iowa State can be the five and zero in the Big Twelve for the first time ever, Jared. First time ever. Never happened before. I think they've certainly got a very good chance. All right. Thanks, everybody. We're going to toss things off now. Actually, I did an interview with Michael Swain from uh, the Kansas 247 site. We're going to talk more uh, about this game coming up on Saturday with him right now on Corner 3 presented by our friends at McDine. Welcome back in here now on Cyclone Fanatic, uh, Corner 3, breaking down Iowa State's upcoming game against Kansas. Now we're joined on the podcast uh, from 247 Sports. He covers Kansas men's basketball and recruiting. It's Michael Swain. Swain, how's it doing? How's it going, man? It's uh, it's good to talk to you. Anytime that uh, Iowa State and Kansas can can go head to head. Yeah, definitely. Thanks for having me on. Excited to watch Iowa State in person for the first time this year. They've uh, definitely hit the ground running in Big Twelve play for sure. And I think uh, it, I know that Kansas is a football school now. But as everybody <laughs> has everybody turned the page back to basketball, they they're uh, they're focused on uh, on the hardwood again now. Yeah, I think we're getting there. I think we're getting there. Obviously, playing your first football kind of bowl game and a decade contributed to probably a December basketball wise that people probably didn't pay too much attention to, but you know, conference plays a whole different beast. And I think Kansas fans understand that. And I think you've seen that with some of the crowds where, you know, you look at an Indiana game in December when you think, okay, ranked matchup, Indiana blue blood program. It was probably the worst fan turnout I've seen in a long time. And then now you get into conference play, the students aren't even back at school yet. And it's still a, a packed house on Tuesday for that Oklahoma game. So I think fans are, are definitely ready and I'm excited for this crowd on Saturday. I think it's going to be bananas with how good Iowa state's been, how good KU's been. And I think the crowd understands how important they are, especially considering the impact they had on Tuesday against Oklahoma. So I'm really excited about it. I think Kansas fans are starting to get back in the rhythm of, Hey, basketball season, right? You're playing once every three or four days and got a pack out in field house. So uh, you can kind of sense the excitement building now. 
what's the general vibe around the program? Obviously, you know, you brought some key pieces back with, uh, with Jalen Wilson and, and Dewan Harris, but for the mm-hmm. most part, I mean, a, a pretty much new team, you know, with at a lot of those positions, what's just been that process? Like, what do you, you know, what's kind of the tenor of the fan base and what's just kind of the feeling, uh, around the program at this point? Yeah, I think people were uncertain heading into the year of what to expect, right? I think traditionally the the younger teams that Bill Self has coached don't tend to be the better teams. They tend to be the more talented ones because when they're young, it usually means they've got five stars and four stars coming in. And I think the the best thing that happened to Kansas this offseason was adding Kevin McCuller because I think what you have there is kind of a trio of you know, Jalen, Dewan, and Kevin now, where you've got three guys that have been through these battles before. And when games get tough, you've got three guys you can really, really rely on. And so then you're bringing along guys like Grady Dick, KJ Adams now playing at center, even someone like Bobby Pettiford coming off the bench. You didn't play a bunch last year. You've got a bunch of guys that are kind of green and they've got these veterans out there now that can kind of help provide a steadying presence. Something I like to go back to is the, Texas Tech game when I think Katie was down by eight, maybe. And Jalen Wilson and Dewan Harris just decided they were going to take over the game and they scored 18 straight points combined. That's kind of the things that I think you maybe expected would happen, but this team holistically, I think, is playing better than I think anyone would have expected. Going into the year, you were kind of wondering, okay, the five spot, because you knew Grady Dick was going to be kind of that four starter to go with the other three. You were worrying about the five because you've got a guy in Zach Clements who is kind of your modern day five. He wants to shoot threes a little soft inside in terms of just doesn't really protect the paint all that much. You saw it against Oklahoma. He's kind of a turnstile at times. Then you've got two true freshman big men, and that doesn't usually work well with Bill Self. And then Cam Martin got hurt before the season, and he really doesn't bring much defensively either. And so it kind of led to this, you know what you had at four spots. And then that five position was such a huge question mark and KJ Adams credit to him has really improved over the course of the season is playing really, really well. So I think they are ahead of schedule. I did not expect them to be at this point with this record, right? Four and and big 12 play for the first time since 2016, 17, um, you know, 15 and one, I did not expect this. I thought there would be some bumps along the road, but they've done a really good job managing it so far. How have you seen Jalen Wilson take a step forward? I mean, obviously, you know, we know what he's doing scoring. He's probably mm-hmm. the favorite to be the big 12 player of the year right now, but what just is, how have you seen him grow in the year since, uh, since they won the national title? Yeah. It's so funny. I, I I've gotten this question a couple of times now and some of the watches him every game. I wonder how much has he actually improved mm-hmm. and I don't mean to tear him down or anything, but you just look at the numbers and He's averaging twice as many points, right? He averaged 11 point or 11 points per game last year. He's averaging 20 right now, but he's taking the most shots of any player in the Bill Self era. And Jalen Wilson is not the player you want taking the most shots in the Bill Self era. I think you'd want that to be Grady Dick if you're going to pinpoint someone on this team that should be shooting that much. And I think that for me is the area where, you know, maybe Jalen's pressing because early in the season, if he didn't score 20 and 25, K was going to lose. Mm-hmm. And now we're at the point in the year where I think the team is more well-rounded that Jalen doesn't have to do that. But I think in his head, he wants to continue to do that. So I think what you're seeing with him is the improvement has come to that three-point line, right? He's shooting career high 34% from three um, rebounding wise, you know, 8.8 rebounds per game. He's been really, really good there for Kansas, really good in transition. I just, for me, I look at him and say, okay, it's a lot of inefficient shots, mid range, forcing it up around the rim, 
last year when he was able to average 11 points while shooting, you know, about 50% from the field and over 50% from two point range, you know, it, it was a lot of putbacks around the rim, really easy drives. And now I think because he is probably KU's best score right now in terms of points, teams are like, great, we're going to make it life, life hard on Jalen. And Jalen, I think ha- always has the self-confidence that I got this. I'm going to go through these two, three guys and, and finish at the rim. Cause I'm like that. And I think at times you got to say, Jalen, you're not like that right now, like pass it, get the ball moving and then take advantage of some better opportunities that come later. So I think his improvement, right. Three point line rebounding. I think defensively he's probably been a little bit better this year, but I think fans from Iowa state will watch Jalen on Saturday and maybe leave saying, okay, is he really the big 12 player of the year? Because for me right now, I say statistically, sure, totally is. But yeah. I think you watch him play and you kind of wonder, man, it just doesn't look right. Yeah. it. Uh, when I looked up the box score from their game against Oklahoma earlier this week and I saw that he went two of 10 from two point range. I was like, oh boy, that is yeah. uh, that's tough look. It's a tough look right there. I mean, at least he went 10 of 12 from the free throw line or whatever exactly. it was. But I mean, it just that not enough self-awareness is what you probably would want from your best player if we're being honest. No, yeah. and he's the type of guy that since the day he stepped on campus has been, I thought he was a one and done. And mm-hmm. that's the thing, you know, as a freshman, he comes in and he's probably thinking I'm here and I'm gone and he gets hurt. He breaks his foot and has to red shirt. Then the next season, um, you know, comes back, has a decent year, not great. And then last year has the DUI before the year didn't really get going to a big 12 play does the NBA draft stuff has a really good G league camp, but then goes to the combine. Isn't as good he could have gotten a two-way deal if he went to the league and he's like, I'm going to come back and do what Ochai did. And to his credit, he is taking on that leadership role, but he's got the self-confidence that you're like, man, like, let's just take a step back. And I think he will over the course of the season. I think we're right now in such a gray area in between where it's still close to the start of the season where he had to be a certain player. Mm -hmm. And I think the player that'll be in March when Kansas tries to go on another NCAA tournament run will be different because I think Bill Self will talk to him. And I think Jalen was a smart enough basketball player to understand that. All right. I probably, probably isn't sustainable. How have you seen, the way teams try and guard Grady Dick uh, evolve as the season has gone along, obviously a guy, everybody knows what his talent level is. I mean, he could be a a lottery pick in the NBA draft, really high level player. Uh, I imagine just knowing what I know about the big 12, it is going to become more and more treacherous, more and more physical for him where it's going to be more and more. All right, freshmen, we're going to see how well you can handle playing with the big boys, you know, I'm just, have you seen that start to come through at times in these first couple of games? It's already started. Yeah. We're not even four games in and it's already started. I think Grady is such a great player. Um, probably one of the most creative scorers I've seen, right. He gets a lot of the, the plot. It's for the three point shooting, but in terms of his creativity off the bounce and mid range around the rim, he's very creative. And I think that what you've seen is teams realize that he's not the strongest and so fighting through contact is not necessarily something that he's great at right now. And I think it's something he'll have to grow over the course of this year. And when he goes on to the pro ranks, probably even after this season, mm-hmm. you saw it against Oklahoma, right? They face guard him. And I think teams, especially in Allen Fieldhouse, are going to try and do that. And I think it's probably why you'll see Gabe Kalsher guard him on Saturday, because I think they're going to say, great, cool. KU's going to play four on four. Grady is just not going to get any airspace. And with the way the officiating has been, if it is like it has been in most of these games, it should be 
oh, guys should be allowed to play tough. And right. that's what's been in the Big 12, except for the second half on Tuesday against Oklahoma. Um, that's what teams have done. They've decided we're going to face guard him, make it really hard for him to get a shot off. And even though he has a very quick release, can get it up high. It's not one of these situations where he can kind of go Kevin Durant with it and shoot over guys. He has to have a a sliver of daylight. And I think teams have really, really worked hard to make sure he doesn't get that. Now I think that's come at the expense of someone like KJ Adams, who now is averaging basically 14 points per game over the last nine games because teams have really locked into Grady. They locked into Jalen. And what it's allowed to happen is Dewan Harris to go make nine straight threes. It's allowed, you know, KJ Adams to go do that. Kevin McCullough has had good games. And so I think teams are really locking into Jalen and Grady. And Kansas is good enough that it's got other players that can beat you, but those guys aren't at the same level as those other two. So for Grady, it's about, hey, can you get stronger over the course of the season and just learn how to play through contact? I think he will do it. He's incredibly confident. He's incredibly smart, good basketball player, interesting personality. I don't know if I would say fans should go look at his TikTok. He's a He's an interesting dude. So I think he's someone that will learn over the course of the season. Uh, I think as an outsider, the thing that when I look at at this Kansas team, that would be a, you know, if you're looking for a thing that might be a concern, I think depth would probably have to be the thing that jumps out. I think they only played what six guys, double digit minutes against Texas tech. Is that the thing mm-hmm. to you as someone who's close to it? I mean, is that the, the one you just don't know if they get into a position where they're in some foul trouble, what do you do in that scenario? Yeah. Yeah. Bill self can't help himself. It's so funny. Every year you go into the season thinking, is this going to be the year he goes eight or nine deep? And then you get in a non-conference play and he plays some freshmen. And then usually around mid December, the minutes really start to dry up. And I think that's, what's really started to happen is bill self has figured out. He's got six guys he can trust. Yeah, That's really what it is. It's a starting five. And then Bobby Pettiford off the bench and that's it. You know, the center position is still such a, a crapshoot. You know, Zach Clements came in and scored eight points. Great, but it was terrible defensively. You know, Zuby Edgia four has some athleticism and bounce, and he's got potential, but he's a freshman who is still not really sure what he's doing. And Ernest Duda hasn't really played much. And he was the guy that was the first big off the bench to start the season. And then you got someone like MJ Rice, who, God bless it, just can't stay healthy. He missed a game because back spasms early in the season, got COVID, missed the Duke game, then had kidney stones, and he's eight, he's 19, and he had kidney right. stones. Right. And then he gets uh, back spasms again and misses a game. So he just can't put stretches together where he can play. And he's the type of guy that in the Big 12, he's a big, long, athletic wing who's physical. Well, he's the type of guy you think you should be able to play, but he just fouls a lot. I think he's a guy that is just trying to learn his body in the Big 12 right now. And then there's Joe Yesfu, who – I was saying they know him from Drake. Like he's, he's all right. Like, I don't think he should be playing at Kansas. So you should, really start... should still be playing for Drake. If we're being yeah, like, honest. and that's nothing yeah. against him, but it's just yeah. like, you're not a big 12 player and that's okay. So yeah, it, it's a, the, the depth is interesting. And like Bill self joked about it, but like, he didn't even know who the first big he was going to put off the bench like, on Tuesday. He just kind of looked down. I was like, ah, Zach, your turn. Yeah. Go you know, and it worked out. So he doesn't even know who he's going to put in. And so it's just going to be a total practice by practice game by game deal of who the guys are that are going to get minutes. And then we obviously know how difficult it is to go for an opposing team to go into Allen Fieldhouse and be able to win. But 
in each of their first two big 12 home games, significant second half deficits to, to have to come back from what, what have you seen from opposing teams that have allowed them to have some success early in those games? And then what has it been that Kansas has done that has been able to allow them to prevent losing those games, I suppose, and be able to keep that home court advantage. Yeah. So I think if you go to the Oklahoma state game, they really screwed up the game plan and they were going to double the post. And then all of a sudden CSA and Boone became, you know, great passers and it created a lot of pressure on the three point line. And then you've got Oklahoma state going out and making basically a season high number in threes in the first half. And then they changed the, the scheme a little bit in the second half and they're able to come back. I think that's why having a veteran trio that we mentioned earlier, why that's important because those guys can change on the fly and be okay. Right. Oklahoma they just wet the bed. If we're being honest here, there's no reason why they should have lost that game. Mm -hmm. Um, Every statistical category, they basically led outside of turnovers and they just turned the ball over at the wrong time. And this Kansas team is so good at using Allen Fieldhouse to its advantage. Every game, there is a big run that they go on. It happened to be in the final five minutes on Tuesday. It happened to be the first six minutes of the second half against Oklahoma state. But when they turn it up defensively and decide we are going to guard you now, it, they're really hard to score on because Dewan Harris and Kevin McCullough are probably the best defensive backcourt in the conference. And if you're one of those in the conference, it's the country because that's how good this conference is. So when they turn it up, all of a sudden you've got two guys that can really limit what the opposing team can do offensively because they can't handle the ball. And then if you get turnovers, all of a sudden now field starts to go crazy. And then once that building goes crazy, it starts to snowball on teams. So they're a team that is really, really good at using Allen Fieldhouse to their advantage, right? Even offensively, Grady Dick, fans love him. He makes one three. It sounds like he's made a barrage of six threes in a row. And I just think this team overall is so good at sparking the arena where they're able to use it to their advantage and it gives them confidence. And this team is irrationally confident. It makes no sense to me at all, but they think they're still the national title team and granted they are the defending national champs, but they're missing two first round picks and the big man that made the game winning bucket. Like mm-hmm. they should, they should not be this confident and yet here they are. All right. What's your read on, uh, on this game on Saturday? Yeah, I'm interested. I think, you know, it's a really interesting matchup, right? I think you look at the perimeter for Iowa State, what they have going on right there and how good they've been at the three-point line. I think from what I saw, they're shooting over 40% and holding teams under 30% from three since Big 12 play started. I think that's going to be crucial. Can KU guard? That was an issue against Oklahoma. If they can't, I think they're in for a really tough matchup. I think if KU does come out and plays with intensity – I think this is a game that Kansas probably leads for most of it. And it's a question of when that run comes, mm-hmm. is it going to come early in the game where they open up a nine, 10 point lead and are able to kind of sit on that cushion, or is this going to be a closely contested game where it's kind of iffy inside Allen Fieldhouse before kind of the, the stretch runs. So I, I'm not going to bet against Kansas. I'm not going to pick against Kansas. Kansas has not lost a game in Allen Fieldhouse since January of 2020, when it has been a conference opponent and full capacity it's really hard to pick against them. But I think if you're asking me on like the betting spread, I think it's like seven on Ken Palm. I think that's yeah. a lot. Yeah. I think that's a lot. So I'm right, I'd I'm probably, right there with you. Yeah. I, I probably take Kansas to win, you know, like a 68 to 
65 type of game. I think that it should be a really fun matchup. Yeah. I think uh, anytime that you get into these big 12 games, they're going to be close. You can just assume it's going to be close. Whoever makes the plays at the end is going to win. Uh, I'll probably lean the home team, but otherwise I have no idea. That's like the entire analysis at the end of the day. Exactly. Well, it's crazy too, right? What was it? The first two weekends, it was uh 10 road teams were 10 and five, 10 and six, something yeah. like that. Like it's they won nine in a row. Yeah. Insane. Yeah. How crazy it's been. And that kind of swings back this week where it seems like a lot more of the home teams are winning, right? Iowa state, Kansas, K state, um, even Texas won last night, uh, on Wednesday night. So yeah, I, I you gotta go big, big 12 home teams, but I think we're in for a good game. Should be a lot of fun. I think so too. All right. He's Michael Swain from uh, the Kansas two, four, seven site covers Kansas men's basketball and football uh, for them over there at two, four, seven. We appreciate you taking the time and we'll talk to you again down the road. Definitely. Thanks, Jared.